Welcome to Failing Forward. Designed for everyone, not for experts. That's Isadora Key's main message today on Failing Forward as she talks about our gender marker tool at CARE and all of the versions we designed that didn't work before we got to a tool that we could roll out across the whole organization. Thank you so much for joining us on Failing Forward. Can you introduce yourself for the audience? Hello, Emily. My name is Isadora Key, and I'm the Global Lead on Gender and Emergences, and I work at the Secretariat. Talk about the gender marker. Talk a little bit about the context of the gender marker and what that is. The CARE gender marker is a tool that we use to look at how well we're doing on the process front. So when I think about M&E systems, multinational evaluation systems, I think about the pieces that look at impact and the piece that look at what we're doing to contribute to that impact. And when uh, the gender marker piece kind of sits alongside, in my head anyway, I think about it as, as two legs. There's the whole really important leg about what are we doing, what are the impacts that we're doing, what are the impacts we're having? And then alongside that, the marker work is really to kind of understand, well, which bits of what you're doing are helping to contribute to some of those outcomes. It's basically a tool that you can use to have a conversation to track how well you're doing on a couple of different measures, um, gender analysis, gender integration, participation, m and &E, and the integration of gender into all of those things. And it helps you come up with a number and that's your gender marker score. Many of you will be familiar with your vetting form. Also gives us a chance to improve. Since the marker has been rolled out, there've been a lot of additional tools about what do you do to get better. So really focus more on that kind of learning and adaptive management and improvement piece than on a very punitive, oh, you did a bad job here. Oh, so true. I think it's like getting that balance right between a score, which people kind of like, but also the whole point of it is not to like give a fixed grade and it never changes. The idea of it behind it all is that, you know, it's a space to see if we can make things better. And for that, it requires an honest conversation about what's not working so well. And as you said, some ideas about how we can, how we can improve. The gender marker is one that's now rolled out. Every project in care uses it. Tell us about the context of the failure you mean. This talk could even be entitled why the gender marker is a failure because it really was <laughs> When we first did it, we started that work in care back in 2013 in the humanitarian space. We built on some real energy that existed within the humanitarian community around the interagency standing committee's own gender marker. So I kept being told from different people around the organization, oh, we've got to get a gender marker, we've got to get a gender marker. And I'd ask people, so, so what do you mean? And they're like, we don't know, but we've heard about the gender marker that the UN has and we need one. So we haven't looked at it. We decided the best thing that we could do after some conversations with some externals with the United Nations and, and the gender community was to test out whether we could use the existing gender marker, the United Nations interagency one, and see if we could use it in care beyond the proposal stage. And so it was a tool that was being used in the humanitarian community to grade proposal in some very specific countries and some very specific contexts. And we took the same tool and we made no changes to it to see if we could use it in any other ways. Because we were really interested about going beyond proposals. So everyone knows you can have a great proposal. But what really counts is, well, what do you do with that great proposal? Does it lead to great implementation? Does good design lead to great implementation? We took the tool, we did, um, we organized a pilot in the Syria regional response and in West Africa. I just got to be honest, it was a bit of a total failure. West Africa was great. They, they really got behind the translation part, but they didn't use the tool. The Syria response countries only really used it to grade implementation. And there was a tiny little bit of work that was done to grade design. We'd done a pretty decent job at testing whether it could be used on proposals and a little bit of work on uh, strategies, but we'd done absolutely no substantive work at testing whether the tool worked for implementation, which was the whole purpose of the pilot. So we've got West Africa, loads of energy, but they haven't actually used it. We've got Syria where they've proved nothing more than it can be used for proposals, which we kind of already knew because the UN had been testing this tool since 2009. And then we had the Philippines who started using it 
they weren't in the pilot. And then what happened was there was this external evaluation and basically they found that the tool had not really been a success. In fact, it hadn't been useful at all. But what they did also conclude was there was incredible energy around the gender marker within care. And so they said, look, what you're doing doesn't work, but there's a lot of energy there. And so I was invited into lots of very public external forums to present on our work. And that's kind of what I had to say to people, that what we've proven is that it doesn't work. This existing tool only works for proposals and it doesn't work for, for other pieces. We haven't been able to get it to work. We need to go back to the drawing board. And so that's what the United Nations did. And that's what we did as CARE. But the next version of the tool, I was excited. And I got to take it thanks to some great work by Holly Robinson and myself who were working on this. We got to take it to CIGN, the CARE International Gender Network meeting in Dubai. We got 73 people to try the gender marker. And they did not find it easy to use and they did not like it. So we spent months working on this tool. It didn't work. It wasn't intuitive enough. People just kept asking too many questions. It just wasn't working for them. So we had failed again. But again, there was this incredible energy around it. And actually out of that meeting, there was a group formed called the Gender Marker Superstars. And the Gender Marker Superstars then went on to train over a thousand people in what would become the Care Gender Marker. You can imagine sitting in a room full of your peers, 73 people going, huh? This doesn't work, is he? One of the things that you mentioned is that it was just, it was complicated and people didn't really understand it. How did you go about thinking about changing it so it could be more user-friendly? You know, now it's a one-page document with some pretty simple tick boxes. How did you get there? Sitting at a table in Dubai after the unmitigated disaster of 73 people going, huh? And I uh, was actually playing around with the idea and I drew what is now the gender marker vetting form on the back of a napkin. I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's actually true. I actually drew it on the back of a napkin and I was like, well, what about if we separate it out into these two different sections, two parts desperation and one part inspiration, I guess. What's kind of funny to me about that story is the private sector is full of examples of companies that started with a napkin. Southwest Airlines in the United States has recently released commemorative napkins that their founder was sitting in a bar with somebody and said, here's what I think should happen. And he wrote it down on a napkin. There's something about that idea. If you can put it in a tiny little space, you might be able to make it work. How do we kind of give ourselves some of those design constraints instead of what is a very standard care and development approach to say, well, let's just add one more thing. For the gender marker, that's continued to be like a lifelong discussion, right? Because there are plenty of people who love the gender marker and there are plenty of people who are so irritated with it because they're like, Isadora, you cannot simplify gender down to four tick boxes. What are you thinking? And they're right, you can. But there is something important about being able to simplify something to its most basic parts so that everybody can engage. Because the people who already think about the 16 different or the 100 different little levels of gender equality, the people who already have that level of detail don't really need a tool to help them navigate this. The tool is there so that everybody in care can work on gender and feel like they're doing something useful and do something useful and has a standard which can be used and compared throughout the organization. And for that, it needs to be something that speaks to a lot of people, not just to experts. So the gender marker tool is not designed for experts. It's designed for everybody. One other thing was that we were so lucky to get to work with the Care Australia design team, Georgia and Tim. They did some really functional design work with us, which I'd never heard of. And they actually started to think about from a design perspective, how could they make this content as simple and easy to follow visually as possible. A lot of the tool is not just pretty, which is nice, but actually it, it kind of draws your eye down and it helps you. The actual design that they did helps you get to the bottom work through it, which is what it was designed to do. So yeah, working with people who are coming from the design space can be really, really helpful too. When you mentioned that this is a tool for everybody, not for experts, that's not something that is only a part of the gender community or only a part of the ME community. 
I see that happening over and over again across the organization and across the development space, kind of wanting to cling to the expertise and say, well, this is for experts. It, it proves that we know all of the details. How do you think about facilitating conversation that pushes towards making tools for everybody and not for experts? The humanitarian space facilitates that a little bit. And because this originally came from the humanitarian space within care, I think that there's a real sense that humanitarians give very short shrift to things that are very complicated, but they can't see an immediate use for because they're really busy people. And I know everybody is, but humanitarians, especially in a beginning stage of an emergency, they're slammed. They are really genuinely working every hour that they possibly can a lot of the time. Um, and they're doing the very best they can. And the last thing we need to do is, is make things more difficult for them, especially when it's supposed to be a tool that makes their life easier. Working within constraints is actually a really great way for simplifying things. So figure out a way to explain something in less than two minutes or a way to design a tool that does fit onto one page that your grandmother could understand if she really wanted to. And those are, those are good principles to, to live and work by. And how do you think about designing tools that are, in this case, the way you describe it, it's about inviting other people to become gender champions. So it's about saying it's not just us, it's not just a few people who know this. This is something to get everybody on board. How did you think about that rollout and moving past what was going on with the care gender expert into let's talk about the whole organization. Yeah, very much so that we were really clear that what we needed were tools that would support conversations and discussions. One of our definitions of what this project would be if it failed was that if we started having massive grade inflation and we got to do a really good liter literature review of what had happened with some of the UN and the interagency standing committees um, work in this area, we could see a couple of pitfalls that we wanted to avoid and we designed to avoid in advance. So learning from others and seeing what they're doing is, is often a great way to avoid some of the problems that they are going to face. The fact there was so much demand for the gender marker originally from within the humanitarian experts, I remember it was a water and sanitation person who was like, we need this. Jason Suggs was like, I need this tool. If you're designing for people who aren't gender specialists, but who are water and sanitation engineers, then you're already designing with a very different audience in mind. And if you know that what you want to do is facilitate conversation and dialogue rather than an obsession with getting good grades, because that leads to massive grade inflation, then you start from a different place as well. One of my greatest senses of achievement is not just how many people the gender marker superstars managed to reach, and I think a thousand is incredible, but also the fact that our grade, they are on an upward curve, but they have not massively inflated. Even though these grades go to the board and that they are very visible and they're very public, there's a real commitment within care to, to being honest. Perhaps too much of a sense of self-flagellation. You see people doing amazing work and then just like, they're like, but no, it is not quite good enough. Care has really embraced what the tool really can do, which is provide a way of tracking how you're going. Yes avoiding some of the uh, worst excesses of inflation, uh, great inflation, just for the sake of it, because that doesn't serve anything, and inviting pretty much everybody in the organization to be part of that conversation. And I think it makes, it's, it's also timing too. The whole organization cares about gender, but not everybody gets to be a gender expert. So how do you put that in everybody's hand and make everybody feel part of the conversation? And that's really something we just set out and designed to do. If you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? Fail less? Would that be okay? Could I, could I, could <laughs> of I, course. Yeah, that would be nice. I think I could do without having to stand in a UN meeting and explain to everybody how we failed. No, I think the failures were part of it. We wouldn't have got to such a useful tool if we hadn't failed a lot. I think I'd have found some easier ways to find funding for the gender marker work from the get-go. Relied a lot on interns working for free in the beginning, and, and that's never nice to know that people are doing really important work and not getting paid for it. Finding more people to work on it and, and have this be a part of their full-time work would be amazing. That would be great. So more human power to do that would have been amazing. It was definitely... But Honestly, 
No, I, I think the failure was part of what made it a success in the end. Even if we were to redo it, I don't think we can avoid the failures because I think we'd end up with less useful product in the end of it all. I think I'm just going to embrace the failures on that one. The very original tool was for proposal development, and then we designed the tool based on implementation. Yes. Now I'm starting to hear people make recommendations that you take the gender marker and you use it to grade your proposals. What's yeah. it like to see it come full circle like that? It just makes me laugh. <laughs> And I think that's fantastic, right? I think it has to have its own life. So absolutely, please start grading proposals with a gender marker. That's what it was very originally designed to do. And I think if you are thinking about doing that today, I think you'll find that it works particularly well for grading proposals. It, it definitely does a good job at that. I think it encourages you to take a long view of history. We started work on this six years ago. I think it's uh, very humbling that it has gone back to full circle and now people are once again thinking about using it for proposals as well as implementation. That, makes, that, that just makes me chuckle. If you were going to make a recommendation to other people at care, who are developing tools or thinking about approaches, what would you say is the key action they can take based on this learning? Two things, design with real people in mind and then test it out a lot and be prepared to, to get things wrong and learn from that and to change it. I would really, really encourage people to actually think about real human beings who are really going to use it in difficult situations, keep them in the heart of everything you're doing. I think it will cut out so much extraneous stuff and it will make you be ruthless about what's nice and what you absolutely have to have. Design with people in mind and, and test it, really. I mean, it was invaluable testing and testing and testing. We could have had an okay tool that never went anywhere, but instead because we tested it in front of everybody in, in Care International Gender Network, we, we end up with a pretty great tool that not only the gender people use, but that it's the inspiration for the governance tool and for the um, resilience tool too. So, Any final thoughts or words on this one? Well, I've just got to give a shout out to all the original Gender Marker Superstars um, who were with us in the beginning and an invitation to anybody who wants to become a Gender Marker Superstar. I kind of feel like the whole of Care have become Gender Marker Superstars. So welcome to the Gender Marker Superstars is I guess what I'd say. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about those things today. Thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned for our next episode.